Good morning. Scott Luton here with you on this edition of This Week in Business History. Welcome to today's show. On this program, which is part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming, we take a look back at the upcoming week, and then we share some of the most relevant events and milestones from years past. Of course, mostly business-focused, with a little dab of global supply chain, and occasionally, we might just throw in a good story outside of our primary realm. So I invite you to join me on this look back in history to identify some of the most significant leaders, companies, innovations, and perhaps lessons learned in our collective business journey. Now, let's dive in to this week in business history. Hey, good morning. Scott Luton and Jenny Froome here with you on the latest edition of This Week in Business History Live. Jenny, how you doing? Hi, really great. Back from a month on holiday or vacation, so I can't complain. <laughs> well, you know, we, we are well overdue for a catch-up call. We got to talk that vacation on holiday. I saw some like, you know, gorgeous images you shot. Of course, you, you've had the wonderful SafePix conference, which was, what, a month or two ago? Yeah, six weeks ago. It seems six. like a lifetime. <laughs> and we're, we're going to touch on this here in a few minutes, the Africa Supply Chain Excellence Award. So all of that, but, and a lot more. Because today, mm -hmm. of course, is, is Biz History Live, right? As some folks may know, Jenny, Biz History focuses on the lesser known stories of leaders and innovation at the intersection of, you guessed it, business and history. Who would have thunk it? A new episode drops every Tuesday which includes replays of these live sessions with guests from around the world. And Jenny, you and I were talking about those handcrafted masterpieces that Kelly Barner continues to churn out earlier. And, you know, so we kind of swap it every Tuesday. It's her stories, which are some of the best in the business on, on one Tuesday. And then the next Tuesday is kind of the replays of these live sessions where we touch on a little bit of every, everything like we're going to do today. So Jenny, how's that sound to you first? Well, I love, you know, I was saying to you, my first one I ever listened to was, was the monologue about Rose Knox, which was about powdered gelatin. I learned so much. And then I've heard Kelly, I think she talked about escalators and where yes. they came from and how they were developed. And she just takes everyday things that I guess we just take for granted. And as soon as she starts talking about them, you think, why have I never wondered about this before? So it's such a great thing to listen to. And you truly, I've learned loads of stuff, stuff I never needed to know, really. <laughs> but it's stuff I'm really glad I, because I know I can bore people with all the exciting things I know. <laughs> well, you know, that's the best from where I sit. That's been the best part of this series because it's like, it's like this episode here. So, you know, the most recent episode of Biz History was a Kelly Barner produced show. It focused on John. Wanamaker, the merchant prince, as she puts it, of Philadelphia. John Wanamaker was new to me. But Jenny, this gentleman was the, he coined the word department store here in the States. He was the first retailer in the States to use price tags. And, and that's just the tip of the spear amongst all the innovations that he made. And you know what? Arguably, at least new to me, I've never heard of John Wanamaker. And that's kind of the main thrust. You know, we, we talk about some of the, the regular stories and and leaders and innovators, but as often as we can, we try to lift up these stories that maybe 
history has forgotten. So to our listeners, check out this latest episode wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can Google This Week in Business History and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. So John Wanamaker, I'm assuming, Jenny, that was new to you as well. Totally, absolutely. There's a, there's a big acting family in the UK called the Wanamakers. I think he was, Sam Wanamaker was American. Okay. So I wonder whether there's a link there somewhere, but no, very interesting. Hey, blessed be the ties that bind and, and gosh, you can do a little digging and there, and there's so many great links that we all got to lift up and celebrate, you know, much like our links for years now, Jenny, after we met in Chicago at an industry association event, we've collaborated a number of different ways, mostly focused on like supply chain and, and global business. And today I'm so thrilled to have you here where we can just really enjoy our time and talk all kinds of random factoids from the landscape of biz history. So are you buckled up and ready to go? I'm ready for all your random stuff. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll try to keep it random stuff and not ramblings. No, no, no. And I've got a few, I've found a few random. <laughs> okay. So be warned. Hey, really quick. want to give a shout out to the whole production team helping to make today's show happen. Of course, Amanda Luton's behind the scenes, ready to go. Catherine Hintz is behind the scenes, ready to go. Appreciate all of your good work here today. And folks, uh, if you're catching us live, hey, use those comments. Let us know what you're thinking. We're going to be talking about things from hot dogs to candy to computer chips to Mandela Day, you name it. So we want to hear from you as well. Okay, so Jenny, with no further ado, let's try, let's dive right into the first topic. One of our favorite things around here, the Luton family household. So we got about I think we got about five things we're going to dive into today. So the first one here, Jenny, it's National Hot Dog Day here in the states. Now, the hot dog, yes, the highfalutin hot dog has a very long and complicated history. So for our time today, I'm going to kind of focus on a shortened version here for simplicity's sake. And it all begins with the German Frankfurter, which dates back to about the 13th century. It's probably the most ancient forebear to the hot dog. Now, the first to combine, Jenny, I didn't realize this was such a, a big mark in the hot dog's history. But it's really all about combining the sausage with the bun, which formed a modern-day hot dog. And there's lots of claims, at least here in the States, of who was the first to do that. You know, sausage certainly is not. It, sausage is a celebrated global dish and all, all of its incarnations and reincarnations. But hot dogs here in the States, as we know them today, began to pop up around the beginning of the 20th century. So, Jenny, have you ever heard of Nathan's hot dogs? Nathan's Famous. I think I, I think I have. I think it was in one of my favorite programs, which is I, we just mentioned it, but somebody feed Phil. Yeah, and I think that I think that he makes a big deal about Nathan's hot dogs. I could be wrong, but I have heard of them. So, Jenny, I'm glad you mentioned that show because I know it's one of your favorites. You've shared it with us. I think they're in like season two or maybe even three. So the world all around all around the world, folks love Phil. Five, mm -hmm. fifth season. Mm -hmm. Okay, and we can find that on Netflix, right? Yeah, yeah. I just love watching anything about food and eating food and anyone else who loves food. So, yeah. <laughs> See, that's why we get along so well. Kindred we spirits. Strong kindred spirits in that regard. <laughs> um, uh, Amanda says, love, love Jenny and excited to hear her contributions today. Today and every day. I'm with you, Amanda. And Catherine's getting back to the, uh, the hot dog <laughs> topic here. Does anyone else consider Costco hot dogs? A highbrow delicacy. Catherine, I've heard so much about the Costco pizza. You got to tell me more about these Costco hot dogs. We'll have to talk offline. But Jenny, check this out. 
So this is a picture of the famous, the historic Coney Island boardwalk here in the States in Brooklyn with Nathan's, that's Nathan's famous hot dog stand and folks enjoying it. Folks look like they're lined up for it. And this is where this location here is where they have each year here in, at, uh, in front of Nathan's famous there, the Nathan's hot dog eating contest on the July 4th. It's been held since 1972 and Jenny get a load of this. This still blows my mind. I just don't know how folks do it. This year's winner on the, on the Mel's contest was Joey Chestnut with 63 hot dogs eaten. What? Bread and sausage. Yes, that's right. You, I don't know. The, I don't have the rules right here, but you've got to eat both the, the sausage and the bread. And sometimes I've seen, I don't watch this contest because it kind of makes me sick it's a little bit too much, but you'll see them have water and like a glass of water and they'll soak the bread so that it goes down faster. 63 hot dogs. But get this, on the, the female winner was Miko Sudo, 40 hot dogs eaten. I can't, I can barely eat two, Jenny, even if I'm starving, you know? That's, um, um, 63 is just unfathomable. Oh my goodness gracious. So all of that, as we tackle our first topic, just our first topic here today, let's get back to the delicious side of hot dogs with just, you know, one or two, the non-contest side. So Jenny, we were talking pre-show. And I don't know, have you ever eaten like U.S. type hot dog? Okay. I, th I, th I think I have. I can't remember. I mean, I, when I was little, I was brought up in America for five years. So I guess I must have eaten a hot dog at some point. Yeah. But I can't remember. Okay. Well, you know, as we were talking pre-show, it much like, much like any kind of sandwiches, much like uh, bread. I mean, it's, it's really, the hot dog is like a vehicle that... Is just to get to get the condiments to you, right? Mm -hmm. And and it's also there's all kinds of different global variations of the hot dog, right? But here, even in the states, even sometimes within a state, within different regions, you've got different traditions for what goes on a hot dog. Mm -hmm. But when I grew up, Jenny, I grew up in Aiken, South Carolina, and this is the closest image I could find to the Carolina slaw dog, right? Now you'll notice there's some chili on this hot dog. I, I learned a long time ago what hot dog chili can do to your intestines so, and it takes away from the slaw, but this is, otherwise it's almost perfect, right? You've got a good soft bun. It looks like a, like a red hot, you got slaw and mustard. I bet there's some onions on there. Only thing I would add is a lot of pepper and Tabasco. And that is my favorite slaw dog. But what is, so, you know, whatever version of a hot dog, whatever version of a sandwich, what are some of your favorite condiments to put on, put on a sandwich? We'll call it Jenny. Well, I, I'm, I'm a big ketchup fan. So immediately has to be ketchup, but also I love anything to do with gherkins. So oh, any kind okay. of gherkin relish would just finish it off. Perfect. I'm with you. I'm with you there. You, you lost me at ketchup. You know, you, there's a spirit, <laughs> <laughs> there's a spirited debate and we'll, and, and, I say spirited, we have a little fun with it, about ketchup on hot dogs in our family. Amanda and the kids doubled down on the ketchup. I think it is it is a travesty to put ketchup on a hot dog, but we'll save that debate for later. Now, Amanda, as I just point out, hot dogs, soft buns, ketchup, mustard, and loads of diced onions. Yes. But isn't that also the debate, do you toast your bun? Oh, that's you a, not taste your bun. I mean, you haven't even gone there. That's a great, you know, that's a great question. I like a soft bun, right? Cause I don't want the bun. If the bun's too big, it takes away from the condiments and the hot dog and the mustard and the, and the slaw and all that working together. The bun is basically, well, get this, Jenny. I, I didn't add this to the notes. 
Uh, I, I didn't plan on going 20 minutes on the hot dog topic, but <laughs> it's got such a fascinating history in the States. When they first started selling hot dog type sausages, vendors would actually give their customers gloves because it was hot, but they wanted to get the gloves back, you know, because they were losing, they were losing the gloves and end up losing margins. So, and that is what, according to some, that's what gave way to the bun so that they didn't have to give away gloves. How about that? That's amazing. You see, you see, you learn stuff that you never knew you needed to know. <laughs> right. That's what I I've got another one for you. Okay. Did you know that Mickey Mouse's first words on screen were hot dog? Really? He probably said hot dog, but still <laughs> they were hot dog. So there you are. Folks, you never know what you need to know, but you know, this week in business history, we try to prepare you for those bar games, those trivia games, you know, hopefully you can, you can win a beer off your buddy by knowing something they didn't know. So that Jenny, that, that is a perfect ending to the first topic of hot dogs. Now, Jenny, we're going to move directly to another food, another snack food, I'll call it. And that is the lollipop. So get this, Jenny. So in a generic sense, humans have been eating candy on a stick since the Middle Ages. Who would have had no idea? However, in 1908, George Smith, the pride of New Haven, Connecticut, began making large, hard candies, maybe like these, mounted on a stick. And as he was searching for a name, he must have been near a racetrack because George named his product after a racehorse of that, of that era, of the early 19th, 20th century, Lolly Pop was the name of the racehorse. So the name, Jenny, began to stick and began to catch on. Yeah, no, no pun intended. So much so that George Smith trademarked the name Lollipop in 1931. So it did well. Now, of course, you got Lollipop, you got Sucker, you got a number of different names. Jenny, what, in, any local names where you are in South Africa for what you call well, I think I think one of the brand names, you know, a bit like Biro and a bit like Hoover that has stuck yep. is the Chupa Chup. You know, okay. you've got yes. that you've got that brand and so they are known as that. But but I think Lollipop is a, and sucker, sucker definitely here is is one of the terminologies. Well, I'm glad you knew where I was going and I appreciate you bringing up the brands because you know, I am a sucker for <laughs> Sorry, Jenny, I'd do it. Oh my gosh. I can, I can feel my 13 year olds. eye roll right now, but right. I, which if you're tuned in to the video side, you can see the images I'm sharing the dum-dums, these pop for some reason, banks and dum-dums just they're hand in hand. Every time we'd roll through the bank, the teller window or something, this is what we'd get. And gosh, I hate to admit, I can go through a bag of these like nothing. And they're, they're really addictive, but the blow pops, perhaps Jenny that made by charms. That was like one of the best candies as a kid because they were bigger. You actually got a lot of the hard candy and then better yet, there's bubble gum at the middle. So whenever, you know, I'll tell you, whenever I had like even a couple of blow pops, I felt like I was living high on the hog as a kid, Jenny. But what, so Chuppa Chup, what, what was that first brand you mentioned? I can't remember. What did I say? No, Chupa, it's gone. Chuppa Chup, Chupa Chup. Yeah. Chupa, Chupa Chups. I think they were Australian. I'm not sure. And then, and then suckers, you know, okay. that's the, that's it. But did you know that you call it hard candy? So yeah. all that, um, and in England they call boiled sweets. Boiled sweets. Boiled sweets. Really? 
Yes, that just that does is a, your interesting fact. That is an interesting fact. Mustards prefer to the cooking process. I can't imagine saying, hey, uh, mom, I'm going to ride up to the store to get some boiled sweets. It just doesn't quite roll off the tongue, or at least my well, tongue. Yeah. But that's, hey, yeah. we celebrate yeah. the differences that make up, make up this journey. All right. So, Jenny, one other question before we switch over to, I want to learn more about a couple of things you've been up to lately. In candies in general, whether they're hard candies, chocolate, whatever, what's one of your favorite go-tos, whether it was as a kid or, you know, this week? Oh, yeah. So you, you lost me at boiled sweets, actually. And I, when I was thinking, no, I only love chocolate. But then I started to think about it. And we used to get these things called sherbet dips or dip dabs. And I don't know if you have them in America where you get the lollipop and the sherbet dip. So you get two treats for the price it. of one. And it's I love in a it. packet. And that was really cool. Hey, we're going to have to exchange. We're going to have to send each other gift boxes of our <laughs> favorite candies. You, you had me at Sure I Love Sherbet. Amanda says, bold sweets doesn't sound nearly as appetizing <laughs> as um, hard candy. Hard yeah, candy hard just candy. sounds like jaw breaking. Right. Well, let's, so I want to move on from, so we've talked mm -hmm. hot dogs, National Hot Dog Day. We've talked about that here. We've talked about the history of the lollipop. You know, I've always wondered kind of where that term came from. So we've, we've solved that, that uh, heavy hit mystery, right? It was a racehorse name, lollipop, and a candy maker just kind of uh, grasped on that. We've talked about some of your favorite candies, but let's, for a handful of viewers that may, where you may be new to them, right? Because we've collaborated for, for a number of years. Let's start with where are you right now, right? Where are you, where do you live right now? And then let's talk about, I want to talk about what you do with Sapix. And then we're going to talk about the Africa Supply Chain Excellence Award. So Jenny, where are you right now? Okay, so I'm currently in a place called Midrand, which is halfway between Johannesburg and Pretoria in South Africa. And I've lived here, lived and worked here for over 25 years, but I wow. am originally from England and arrived here via all sorts of different countries. So this is where, this is where we decided to hang our hats and we've been here for 25 Love it. And you're a wonderful global traveler. I've learned so much from your travels beyond the pictures. It's inspired us to get out and, and see the world and, and different societies more. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to coming to see you in Johannesburg for maybe the next annual event. So let's talk about SAPIX a minute, because for at those 25 years there, you and the SAPIX team, you know, you're a wonderful connector. You help facilitate learnings and education. We'll touch on that in a minute. So what, what is SAPIX? What do you do? Yeah, so, so SAPIX is an association. It's a member-based association, but, but I'm, I guess in simplistic terms, it's a community. And it's a community of people who work in the supply chain profession. Yep. And, you know, up until two, three years ago, at this point, people would have gone, what supply chain? Right. Those people who don't listen to Scott regularly, but, but COVID and all the disasters and everything has ha helped us enormously in, we can now talk beyond what is supply chain and we can start to have more in-depth conversations about which part of the supply mm. chain are you part of. So, so that's pretty much who we are and we, we do events and we educate and we just like you said, Scott, we connect people to try to, to make people's lives easier yep. by sorting out their supply chains faster and more efficiently. And it's so, you know, it, it's so important. I mean, it was important long before the pandemic. It's only grown in importance, especially as, as we all know, you know, supply chain has enabled 
uh, noble missions of all sorts, especially when you think of healthcare, you think of the, 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 not the booster, the uh, vaccine, Mm -hmm. you think of uh, just, just keeping medical supplies, you know, throughout the pandemic and really any kind of, of, of contingency. So it really, it's been very fulfilling and rewarding to see the global workforce that makes up a global supply chain that makes it happen, get recognized and kind of get their due more. But as Jenny, as Greg White likes to say, with that due comes a lot of responsibility and you got you to make it happen, right? I, I find myself quoting, don't tell him, but I find myself quoting Greg a lot at that very first meeting that we ever had where he talked about how many years supply chain professionals have been saying, give me a seat at the table. Right. And now you've got the seat at the table. What are you going to do with it? And that's the, that's the Trump card. So, so true. I think, I think that now is the time for the profession really to, to gain its rightful place. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So I want to touch on one more thing before we talk about Nelson Mandela and Mandela Day. So to our listeners, stay tuned because if you've never heard of Mandela Day, oh, this is a great place to be because you're going to be challenged and inspired to, to stop and celebrate that and do something about it every year. But before we get there, mm-hmm. Jenny, I've got this image shared from mm-hmm. the Africa Supply Chain Excellence Awards. Mm-hmm. I think a first year, first year event, right? Yep. Huge effort. It, yep. the, it all culminated in a luncheon or a dinner this week. Dinner. Big effort. Tell us more about what this program was. Yeah, so the dinner was last night. So hence the sort of slightly tired looking looking <laughs> eyes. Those are the magnificent flower displays that were in the middle of the tables, which were absolutely, all those flowers are South African. In the middle, you've got proteas, which if you've never seen them, they are the most magnificent flowers. And this time of year in winter, it's quite difficult to get any non-indigenous flowers. So I think the the florist did a magnificent job. But the the program is really, it was designed to highlight supply chains in Africa, because I think, you know, in the past, a lot of people have sort of thought, oh, shame Africa. Mm -hmm. And, you know, do they, do, do, do people know what to do in Africa because mm. we've got all the best software and all the best this and that, and it's actually not true. And there, I think there's a lot of innovation. There's a lot of, in, well, I know there is a lot of incredible work that's done on the continent. And, uh, and so we wanted to create a platform where we could share some of the really exciting stuff, but we didn't want to do it just as Sapix. And so we worked with a whole load of associations involved in the supply chain from the industrial engineers to the association of freight forwarded forwarders and the road freight association etc and and really it's a it's the idea of it is it's for the industry by the industry like any good community should right. do it's just to, to build and highlight and showcase what's what's good in what your people are doing i love it i know it took a massive investment of time energy love elbow grease and then some I really appreciate what you and your team did there. I bet I've already seen, you know, across social, some of what the recognition and awards have meant for so many different people. And that's got to be rewarding for you to see that, right? So it was from the diversity of things like human, human hair being used and blockchain sort of working to, to detect the origins so that it's ethically sourced and ethically done to, to making the lives of one day old chicks being transported better so that wow. more of them survive the journey. Mm. You know, it's these kind of stories. It's, it's a bit like business history, all the things that you just take for granted that you don't know about. How do those happen? Yes. These were, these were the things that were showcased and more. So I love exciting. it. 
and, and we're going to on Splatche now, kind of the mothership for what this week in business history is part of. We're going to try to do a key takeaway show so we can talk about some of those companies and wards and the meaningfulness of it all. So Jenny, big kudos to you and the whole team, all the folks that, that to help make it happen. And I appreciate your, your steady and relentless leadership in this regard. So, Hey, look here, Sylvia, Judy, Jenny, one of our, also one of our favorites is tuned in from Charleston. Charleston. Yeah. The wonderful supply chain ecosystem down there. She's a big leader in that ecosystem. She joined us for the supply chain buzz last week, I guess it was to give us an update on all the stuff going on in Charleston. So great to see you, Sylvia. Okay. And also she says, uh, to Jenny, thank you for showcasing the forwarders associations and the motor carrier associations. Hey, a lot of, a lot of good hardworking folks and business leaders helping to make global business and global supply chain happen. Okay. But to our listeners that are used to biz history, right? I definitely wanted to make sure that we connected dots on all the cool things, Jenny Froome, some of the cool things that Jenny Froome and her team are up to, but now we're going to get back to business history and legendary global leadership. So Jenny, just this past week, you shared with me and, and, and folks, I'll be transparent about it. I wish I knew more about all the very special occasions we celebrate across the globe. Mandela day was new to me and, and I'm embarrassed to say that, but thanks to my dear friend, Jenny, we're going to, we're going to learn more about Nelson Mandela and Mandela day. So Jenny share, please share. Brilliant. Well, I just, I think it's a bit obvious, you know, you're in South Africa, who are you going to talk about? That's a historic sort of legend. And it's always got to be Nelson Mandela. And this week, Monday, was actually Mandela Day. So when Spot asked me, I sort of thought, oh, gosh, what do I do about history? And then I thought, well, there's no better person to talk about. And then to apply what businesses are doing to support Mandela Day. It's, it's not actually a holiday. It's, a, it's an initiative. And it started, I think, in 2009. And for anyone who's been living under a rock for the last 30 years, Nelson Mandela was the first democratically elected president of South Africa. And he was a, an absolute well, activist and, and wanting to, to destroy apartheid and, and create a democratic country. And so he, he did this for 67 years. He fought for democracy. And so that's where the 67 minutes comes up. And the idea is, is that people once a year spend 67 minutes of their time doing something to make a difference. And, and the message is, is that all of us can do something small to make a difference. And it's one of those, those things that the mission says, he fought for social justice for 67 years. We're asking you to start mm. with 67 minutes. Mm. So on an annual basis, countries and uh, companies and individuals all around the, the country and the world, it's a, it's a global thing. Right. They, they choose something to do, which a lot of companies are using as team building events. So there are, there are people who make blankets. There are people who go out and feed the needy. There are people who, who just genuinely do things that make a difference. And one of the things I think that people are, are, are trying to educate people is that we shouldn't just be doing it once a year. We should be doing it every day. That's right. And, you know, 67 minutes compared to 67, 67 years. And then the 21, 27 years that he actually spent in prison for the work that he did. Wow. You know, there's a, 
and and to come out and then try to alleviate the the the, the apartheid scars by reconciliation, not war, reconciliation. Mm. I think that it's it's just a it's just a hugely and that's a very simplistic English person's view of mm. this. But every year we're reminded of how important it is to do something no matter how small, to make a difference. There's a wonderful saying that says, if you think you're too small to make a difference, you've never spent time with a mosquito. And <laughs> so that's something, you know, and I think that Mandela and and his example, that the people who sort of founded it and, and, and have made it an annual event around yep. the world really deserve kudos because it really does start with us. I agree. And and I'm going to get to one of your favorite quotes here in just a minute. I want to, Sylvia Judy says, we need a Nelson, a Nelson Mandela century. I'm with you, Sylvia. Yeah. And I also like, Jenny, I loved so much you shared and, and, and I appreciate kind of how you couched it kind of from a, from an English speaking person, you know, cause we all view these, these holidays and these journeys very, very differently, but you know, to use, to speak to his ability to lead and to drive change using reconciliation versus violence and, and war, you know, things have to change, but the manner and how we can drive powerful and impactful change, you know, by building those bridges, gosh, when, when blessed are those, you know, blessed are the peacemakers that can drive change. So thank you so much for sharing about Nelson Mandela. A couple of things I got from the foundation, the Nelson Mandela foundation. Y'all can check out that on just Google it this year. For Mandela Day 2022, they encourage us to do what you can with what you have where you are, right? The 67 minutes, Jenny. And that gives way to one of your favorite quotes. So tell us about, read, share this quote with us and why does it mean so much to you? Education is the most powerful weapon with which you can use to change the world. And for me, it's so powerful because I've been privileged to have had a good education. And I live in a, on a continent where education is, is not freely available to everybody, but there is a genuine desire to, to, to make the most of, of education. And if you think about everything, every single thing that is challenging or not working properly, it's all down to education and it, and it, and education is not just about textbooks. That's one of my favorite sort of things. It's, it's about so much more than that. Sessions like this at education in themselves. You know, one last thought here and, and, and listeners, we're going to hopefully you've learned something in the last just couple of minutes, really important learnings about an iconic, legendary a leader and difference maker that his work, good, great work, instrumental work continues to give benefits and rights to those that, that are enjoyed, you know, this very, this very minute. Have you ever, Jenny, it, it, it in the last couple of years, maybe in particular, as we've had more conversations, especially globally, remotely, unfortunately, we're going we're gonna to be changing that. But you ever stopped and broken bread or had a conversation with someone that appreciates their education so much so that it, it almost, you look inward and, and it's like, man, I've been taking this for granted. You ever have those conversations with those types of folks? So often, so often. And I mean, there are, there's one one of our favorite sort of you know guests is is Ramasi, who is constantly I think she's doing her PhD or in in Liverpool at the moment and she's doing so much research. But not only is she she so 
values education, but yep. she's passed that on to her children. And, you know, there, there are just so many, I remember going to, to Benin and, and seeing so many people who work full job, full day jobs. And it's not just in Benin, it's not just in Africa, it's all right. over the world, That's right. but, but working full day jobs and then still doing degrees and people having multiple degrees. And for someone like me, that's kind of, I, 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 I just wouldn't be able to do that. So I've had to find different ways to educate myself. And that's by mixing with people who are passionate about being educated. Cause I kind of learn biosmosis, I think. Absolutely. I'm with you. And by the way, Amanda or Catherine, if we could drop Ramatu Abdul-Kadir, her LinkedIn profile in the comments so folks can connect with that. Cause she is the gift that gives on, keeps on giving. I mean, mm -hmm. from research, education, leadership. Favorites. That's right. I, I enjoy her, hearing her stories of being a mother as well. I think she's mm -hmm. got three daughters. Three girls. Yeah. And we, we've really enjoyed some of those, that perspective. Uh, okay. So Jenny up next, as we move along again, thanks for sharing your, your point of view and, and some context around Nelson Mandela and certainly Mandela day. We need to circle the calendar that July 18th, 2023, let's plan on showcasing some of those folks that are making a difference. Mm -hmm. So let, let's, we'll get that added to the calendar directly. Excellent. Okay. So back to more directly business history. Here's business history live with my dear friend and, and star rock and roll star, Jenny Froome. I want to share a couple of birthdays and there was a ton of July birthdays, by the way, Jenny, of course, Nelson Mandela was born July 18th in, is it, is it Mviso, Mviso, South Africa? Did I say that right? Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> so, so of course his birthday, Mandela day, they Lauder, the founder of the worldwide beauty and brands and cosmetics company was born July 1st, 1908 in Queens, New York, Howard Schultz, Jenny, Howard Schultz, founder of Starbucks. Who I, did he step back in as CEO? Did I, did I see something like that? Really? What? I, I think so. You know, Starbucks has changed so much, right? Pandemics really shaped their business and you know, so much of their business has shifted over to, you know, just drive through, pick it up and go, you know, and of course, Starbucks, I believe if I'm familiar with their history, it was formed and their, and their cafes were formed. So folks could sit down and connect and work together and, you know, all those customer priorities and preferences have shifted so much, but Howard Schultz does a lot of great work from a give back and forward standpoint was born in Brooklyn, New York on July 19th. 1953. And finally, Jenny, one of my favorites, fascinating figures in history. Amelia Earhart yeah. was born July 24th, 1897 in Atchison, Kansas, old Greg White's home state. Jenny, do you find, I find her story so intriguing and not just the, you know, what folks are familiar with, you know, kind of on the last chapters of her story, but just how she challenged the status quo throughout mm -hmm. the aviation industry during her time, right? Mm -hmm. There, there are amazing female role models in, in that, you know, Beryl Markham from a Kenyan perspective was another who just kept on pushing and pushing because they knew that they could do it. And I think it's that self-belief and it's that courage that, you know, women like me need to look back and be grateful to, to the strides that they made in, mm. in doing different stuff that, that people thought women could never do. And like you say, sort of her, her life and her upbringing to the point that everybody knows about right. is, is kind of like the, the more exciting of the story. 
I completely agree. Fascinating figure. The pride of Atchison, Kansas. Some folks may not know that she was born and some of her formative parts of her journey were there in Kansas. Okay. We're coming down the home stretch. Jenny, we have, we have covered quite the gamut today on this week in business history live. One last story, number five, topic number five, I want to share about is one of the world's major players in the semiconductor industry. And, and Jenny, think about some of the things we've heard nonstop for two years. I'm not going to even mention toilet paper. I did it again. Toilet <laughs> paper, of course, all aspects of supply chain, but certainly computer chips, right, Jenny? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. In this day and age, it goes without saying, but you know, you can find computer chips in everything, right? And more and more, you know, automotive and and other big industries lean heavily on computer chips, and it's been it's put quite the the strain on that industry. But one of the world's major players in the semiconductor industry, Intel Corporation, was founded July eighteenth, nineteen sixty eight, in Mountain View, California. If I'm not mistaken, I think LinkedIn is based in Mountain View, California. Intel was founded, get this, talk about a, a quite the dynamic duo here. Gordon Moore was a chemist. Jenny, he, he coined Moore's Law. Have you ever heard of that? No. Okay. As you know, I've got certainly lots of technological limitations and I'm <laughs> not, no one confuses me for a chemist, but as I understand Moore's Law, it's like processing speeds will double, I think every 18 months, it was his, was a, a legendary rule of thumb that really has turned out to be pretty accurate. And, and so he coined that Gordon Moore and his partner, Robert Noyce, a physicist, and he is just, just the co-inventor of the integrated circuit. So quite a duo. So get this, Jenny, when it came to picking a name for the company, Moore and Noyce thought briefly about more noise, but didn't like them for <laughs> <laughs> the implication. So they ended up going with Intel from the full phrase, integrated electronics. So they put mm -hmm. the first three letters of the first word and the last two of the, the second word. That's where Intel came from. Jenny, revenue in the first year in 1968 was about 2,672 US dollars. Amazing. Amazing. So a few years later, though, in 1974, Intel would hit the jackpot with its first really big product, the Intel 8080 microprocessor, which was the world's first 8-bit computer chip. So, hey, don't ask me what all of that means, but it was a big deal. So big that it caught the attention of a little company called IBM, aka Big Blue, and the two companies made an agreement that all the future IBM computers, at least the next few years, moving forward from that moment in 1974, would use these Intel 8080 chips. So needless to say, of course, that was a big deal, instrumental to Intel's growth. Revenue in 2021, some, let's see, quick math here, about 50, let's see, 50, 53 years later, Intel, Amazing. Intel revenue. Oh man, $70 billion was a revenue in 2021. I can only imagine with the no, huge. How big were the chips oh, back then? Well, that's a great question. And I don't know back. So I've got an image here, Jenny. I don't have an old image back then because I bet they were bigger, but get this, look at this image. This is from, let's see, October, 2020. This is a close up of an Intel Celeron and it's got a serial number there. It's a processor. And it's also look at the backdrop here. The backdrop is grains of sand. Look at Incredible. the, the intricacy 
and the complexity and imagine the machinery and the production line behind it that's got to be that accurate and that attention to detail just the complexity of the chip industry it's amazing huh absolutely incredible mind-blowing it is it is mind-blowing and especially when you think about the products mm -hmm. of course you know this that, that rule our lives right that, that, that manage our lives absolutely. right this and i'm holding up my iphone here and i don't remember the exact numbers but the iphone's got more technology and more capabilities in it than the apollo moon mission right it's just amazing that moore's law and just how technology how fast it's it's moving innovating getting smaller but more powerful it's amazing so intel to intel as sylvia says happy birthday to all of those uh, those business leaders but to also intel corporation that clearly is powering some aspects of our life every single hour okay so so just going back to your your, your microchip yes thing yes. okay I, this is this is one of your this is one of your kids and for the eye roll are you ready? <laughs> ready? What do you call the crumbs at the bottom of a bag of Doritos? Mm. Microchips. Microchips. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, Jenny, I'm gonna use that. I can't wait to use it with my dear Brantley in a moment to get one of her legendary eye rolls. They have come to life. Takis, Amanda. I think the Takis, which are similar, similar to a corn chip. Maybe I'll make sure I get this right, but Takis. So I'm going to ask her what the crumbles are in the bottom of her bag of Takis. So stay tuned. All right. So Jenny, to all of our listeners, let's make sure folks know how to connect with you. If they want to learn more about, you name it, all the cool things Sapix is up to, all the, you know, all the give back initiatives you're part of. I know how important it is to you on a very meaningful way. The Africa Supply Chain Excellence Awards. Congrats on that first year success. How can folks plug in to the one and only Jenny Froome? Thank you. I'm I'm on LinkedIn, so it's very easy. It's Jenny, and it's Froome F R O O M E Room with an F at the beginning and an E at the end. It's just you'll find me. Just that easy. And we're going to drop. We're going to make sure your LinkedIn profile is part of the show notes. And I would encourage if you're not already connect with Jenny Froome, especially on LinkedIn and uh, see how you can plug into all the cool things she's doing globally, but especially across Africa. Thanks. Okay, Jenny, really appreciate your time here today. Go out and celebrate the, su the success of the, the awards program. Congrats. I really enjoyed your perspective, not just on Nelson, Nelson Mandela and Mandela Day, but throughout our conversation today that really ran the, ga the gamut. To all of our listeners, hey, thanks for tuning in. Sylvia, I really appreciate you tuning in and, and sharing a couple of things there. Big thanks to Amanda and Catherine behind the scenes help making today happen. But folks, whatever you do, hopefully you enjoyed this Biz History Live. Join us again live in a couple of weeks. We'd love to hear from you. But whatever you do, hey, take a page out of Jenny Froome's book. Do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. And hey, we'll see you next time right back here on This Week in Business History Live. <music>